Hello, this is John Corcoran with Learning Folk. G.K. Chesterton said the most extraordinary thing in the world is an ordinary man and an ordinary woman and their ordinary children. And I'm an ordinary guy joined here with my ordinary older children. <laughs> uh, hello, welcome. Uh, would you like to introduce yourselves? Go ahead. My name is Eva. How old are you, Eva? Ten. Wow, that's old. That's like halfway yes. to 20. And Very what about old. you? Across from me, um, I'm Ada, and I'm 14. Whoa, even yeah. older. And what about you? Across from me, on the other side, to my right, I'm Emma, and I'm 17 and a half. That is, that is <laughs> so old, and it's well, weird then I'm to 14 think. 14 and a half. Well, then I'm yeah. 10 and a half. Okay, but you 10 and 14 year olds just need to like take a chill pill because to think about me as a 42-year-old guy having a 17-year-old and a half daughter is a little weird. It's also weird to think about having a 10-year-old and a 14-year-old, but even weirder to think about having a 17 and a half-year-old. We that, Emma, also have Okay, wait. This <laughs> is also important. We also have approximately 6-month-old cats that I am going to resist being angry about that you may hear in the background and we're just going to have to be okay with that. If you do hear a screech in the podcast, it's because a cat has jumped up onto somebody's lap and has extended its claws into their leg. Pray for us that we don't get cat scratch fever. So speaking of cats and our very first podcast, we've tried to record this podcast a few times, and it's been months since we've tried to record this podcast. Yep. The very first season, episode one. Uh, the first time we recorded a great episode and I forgot to press record the second time. Uh, well, I was sick and a bunch of us were sick and there was coughing and it was not pretty and there was school and things got in the way, got in the way. There's currently a cat playing with a bobber on a fishing rod. And so if you can just close your eyes for a moment, unless you're driving and imagine a cat playing with a bobber on a fishing rod. Yeah, it's that annoying. So just go ahead and picture that. Open your eyes, please. Don't get a car crash. Speaking of cats, Eva, can you tell us about something that just recently happened that is uh, surprising? Very well. Okay. I was trying to get something from the fridge because I was hungry. And these there was something that knocked on the door, a person. And I, lo I looked and it was these like, older people and I didn't know who they were. I was like Now when you say older, do you mean like old like me or old like your grandparents or somewhere in, the, in between? sixties. <laughs> okay, in their sixties. Okay. So two people in their sixties knock on our door, which is strange because we have a gate, but I left the gate open because I went on a little errand. What? <laughs> I know. It's my yes. it's actually my fault. If I leave the gate open, somebody comes to the door that's what happens so what happened i called mom and she was like oh come on it's probably not the not, it's probably nothing and she looked and she was like uh <laughs> so she opened the door and was like hi and they're like oh we just found these we just found your we thought they were strays our cats um they were just on the side of the road and mom's like oh yeah okay <laughs> thank you and they just started asking like random questions, like random questions, like are they inside? Like do they sleep inside, or where are they? And I mean, like, what were you thinking when you're hearing these questions? Like, they they sound like fairly personal questions. Well, I was thinking they're a, that's a little suspicious. 
Like, <laughs> like, why do you care if my cat sleeps inside? Wait, I hold on a second. I have a question for all of you. Have you ever gone up to someone's door, knocked on it, and said, hey, um, I see a little animal out in front of your house. Is it yours? Yes or no? Yes? Okay. Um, do you keep it inside at night? <laughs> Are they Never. food? Yeah, that, that's... They don't sleep inside. That's not a question. They're just asked. cats. So, so, how did the people leave? Uh, mom kind of tried to end the conversation a little bit, <laughs> and so, <laughs> and um, my grandparents just pulled in, so they're kind of like, oh, okay, and so they just started like, okay, bye, kind of weirdly like walking off. I don't know. And didn't they say they were just friendly cat lovers? Just yes. Oh, yeah, they did they were just friendly cat lovers. Just we love cats and all this stuff. And the thing that cracks me up about this story is that it's it's not bad to like animals, right? Like, I it's mean, it not. seems like that's like a pretty normal thing to be like, I love things that are alive because things that are alive are good. But But to go up to a stranger's house and knock on the door and inquire about their ability to care for an animal <laughs> seems rather misplaced but it sounds a little weird but we live we live in the capital city of washington so that actually isn't that odd no except no. that we usually live outside that stuff so that's true that's true doesn't usually happen that's true First we time. <laughs> we've never had somebody come up to the door and say why is that little girl running around in her diaper in your yard yeah. <laughs> isn't she cold that's because People in our area care more about animals than children. Yeah, it kind of seems like a little mm-hmm. bit. Just, just, just a tad. Just a little bit. I, you know, it's funny about that. Like, I don't think that people realize that. Like, I don't think because I was going to a meeting early in the morning, and there is a pet cancer clinic in downtown Olympia. And right, I mean, people love their animals, and so like that's not bad necessarily, but. I was really surprised at the huge line out in front of this clinic in the early morning. I mean, it was like before eight o'clock and there was a huge line of people with like really sick pets. And I, you know, it just made me think, wow, like there's a lot of people that don't have anybody else to love or I don't know. I mean, it just was one of those things that kind of made me go, hmm. Interesting. So speaking (laughs) of things that make us go, hmm, all of us are reading things that are interesting at different points in time. And, uh, Ada, can you tell us a little bit about something that you've been reading that you find uh, curious or strange or funny or maybe all of the above? Well, um, I've been reading the histories, um, and there's a couple of funny things in it, but one that I just wanted to highlight was... Um, Wait, can you say something? The histories, is that something that was written like in the 1950s? No. I don't okay. know when it was written, but it was a long time ago. By it like, was a It was a Greek book, so... Okay ancient greek it was about um this whole chapter of the book that i'm going to be saying something from is about um the egyptians and they say something quite funny about beans i think about beans like like green beans <laughs> any kind of bean okay. I, don't, I don't know they don't specify it okay says beans. fair enough A legume give it to us okay beans moreover the egyptians do not sow in their land and those which grow, they neither eat raw nor boil for food. Nay, the priests do not even endure to look upon them, thinking this to be an unclean kind of legume. 
<laughs> there was an unclean legume. Yes. They couldn't even look at them? That's... Nope. Wow. <laughs> Do, okay, wait. Like, so, so, um, Herodot. How do I say his name? I don't know. Herodotus. Herodotus. Some said Herodotus. It's like, what the heck? I don't think that's. Oh, uh, that's such either. a that's such a nerdy way to say it. Herodotus. Yeah, I also said most of the names wrong, so I don't know. Well, I mean, it's all Greek to us. But Emma, you said yeah. it. You say it how? Herodotus. Herodotus. So Herodotus, a Greek historian, talking about the Egyptians. The Egyptian priests don't even look at beans because they are unclean. Very, very unclean. What would make beans unclean? <laughs> Have you ever heard the song? What song? Maybe someone should sing it for us. What song are you thinking of, Emma? <laughs> the song that goes like, beans, beans, the magical fruit. The more, the more you, you eat, the, the more you toot. Clam chowder makes it louder. Okay, well, that goes, wow, that goes a little bit further than I would have expected. But they, it so, also said they don't eat fish, so. Okay, so fair enough. So you think that actually the beans themselves, because of what they did to them physically, made them unclean? Possibly. I mean, that's interesting. I mean, it seems like they'd be clean because they have their own um, wrap like from the world they're, I mean they're in like little pods that's I mean true. shouldn't they be cleanish that's know. true and like then what, what we know about beans at least like in North America right like the people in North America would grow beans with I think they called it the three sisters right beans squash and corn because the beans as a legume and their roots help to fix nitrogen so they like capture nitrogen from the from the air basically I think I'm speaking way outside of my I have no idea. My knowledge base here. I don't know. I just know that. <laughs> but there are these little nodules in their roots that like store nitrogen. So you're like in some ways like putting by planting a bean, you are taking things out of the soil, but you're also putting stuff back into it. Mm -hmm. But maybe in Egypt, so dry, maybe maybe the shape of them, what they did to you internally, they just were unpleasing. They were unholy. They were unholy, yes. Well, I, I've I've been reading an interesting thing for work that's not as all that's not at all as um, well that's not as all as memorable. Well, it's memorable, but it won't be as long lasting. I guarantee this book will not be around as long as the histories. The histories. <laughs> this is a interesting book um, about culturally responsive teaching in the brain, and they say this about culture. I have a question. Wait, what do you guys think culture is? Do you, do you guys have any ideas? Like when you hear the word culture, what do you think of? I mean. Um, I kind of think of food. Food? Okay, food. <laughs> well, I've been doing a lot of this for school. Sometimes I have to like write out people's cultures. I, I don't know, like tribes or whatever. And it's mostly like what do like, could what do they make or something? Okay. Or what do they wear? What are they, food, mm, music or something? I don't know. Okay. Mm -hmm. Kind of seems like you pretty much summed it all up. Like, what does a people do? Yeah. And how it differs from other places. Right. So you could compare it to somebody else. You could say, well, this people do this thing and these people do that thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Interesting thing, though, like, does a culture, like, can you just make up your own culture? 
That's kind of dumb, because you have to have multiple people to do that. So, no. Yeah, I mean... I mean, don't you have to have a group of people to make a, like, quote-unquote, culture? Like, you need more people be one than one. If there was only one person, because it would die. Right, if there was only one, if there was only one person, and that one person was doing something, you could maybe say, the thing that they're doing is a culture of sorts, like because they're doing something. But if it's not, but where did they learn how to do it from? Like just from their themselves. Their well, but it's just, but it's just themselves though. Hmm. They um, were just magically like it's just <laughs> them on earth. They grew from a bean. <laughs> Thank you, Rousseau and Hobbes, right? <laughs> like the 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 um, the sort of state of nature where man is by himself doing his own thing. Okay, well, so what's interesting here is that they say in this book, um, culturally responsive teaching and the brain, they say culture. It turns out. <laughs> is the way that every brain makes sense of the world. That's why everyone, regardless of race or ethnicity, has a culture. Think of culture as software for the brain's hardware. Um. Any thoughts about that? <laughs> oh my gosh. It was attacked. Did the cat jump on you? Um, it's what I makes mean, this podcast interesting. Yeah. Because there's always the threat <laughs> the of a cat danger. attack. Dun, dun, dun. That's why Ugh. I've been looking at my feet, just in case. Yeah. Um, the thing that you just read, it, I mean, I see what the per person was thinking. I mean, because I don't think culture, I don't know, I don't know, but like, where you come from does affect how you see the world. Yeah, for sure. But I wouldn't say that's culture. I would say that's like family life. I think culture is the group of families, kind of. Hmm. That's interesting. Hmm. The thing that hit me when I read that was not so much their definition of culture per se, like the use of the word culture, but where it, was reduced to the brain because if I was to say like Emma the way that you make sense of what you're reading is your brain's way of making sense or like if I was to say um, the book you just read uh, by de Tocqueville is your brain's way of <laughs> processing the text you'd be like what there's a way that we think about that and we go, okay, oh well, yeah, sure. Yeah. Like my brain processed that, but you'd say, no, no, wait, like, think about what I just said. I said that your brain did it, not you. Right. Mm -hmm. So they're saying that your brain is the most important part of you because without it, you wouldn't be you. No, they're saying that the culture is your is, brain <laughs> is like the language of your brain. Right. Yeah, so like culture is the brain's language to a certain extent. Like, So well, let me just read it one more time. Culture, it turns out, is the way that every brain makes sense of the world. That is why everyone, regardless of race, race or ethnicity, has a culture. Think of culture as software for the brain's hardware. Hmm. It's very modern. 
what makes you say modern? Um, or what are you thinking of? Just reducing a human's greater qualities of reason and intellect to merely the body. Mm. Not that the body's bad, but making only the bodily goods the highest um um <laughs> like the highest way we can um process things yeah, I don't know. Well, no, I mean, I was kind of letting it ride there just to have you think about that because, I, I mean, I was thinking about it too that you said that better than I did because I had to respond to this in a in a little chat group, you know, and I had to kind of reflect on that. And I sort of felt the same way that I was like, well, okay, I agree that culture is in a large part, the thing that we use to understand the world. But I don't agree that it's my brain that's making sense of the world. I think I would agree that like, I'm making sense of the world and my brain is a very important part of that. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like, it's kind of like I've been resisting the, I, I've been resisting the temptation to say, Oh man, this thing, you know, I'm sorry. I'm just having a hard time with my brain or just saying like, Oh, that's this thing that happened in my brain. It's like, instead of saying, Oh, you know, um, if we think about this in our mind, we think of blah, 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 blah. So like making the distinction between our brain and our mind that it's like, I'm not talking about the actual neurons that are firing in my brain because I, I'm not aware of that. Right. I'm aware of the fact that I think and the fact that I'm thinking is in some ways not proof that I have a brain, but I couldn't think without my brain. Right. I think. Is that, I think, therefore I am? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> just, kidding, just kidding. <laughs> you want, anyway. you want to talk about Renee Descartes to start off the podcast? I mean, it seems like we should start there, maybe. I guess if I you know. want, I mean, I guess we want to bring it up. That's not where I was even thinking about going. But this this actually goes back to what you said, Ada, about the culture being um, the culture being something that you know our culture can't just be us singularly. Because I think Rene Descartes, his famous cogito, <laughs> I think therefore I am, started with him imagining himself in his study by himself, right? Mm-hmm. And so in some ways, his whole thought, I think therefore I am, or really I because I can doubt, I know I exist. Yes. Which Ada, I see you making a funny face and I see (laughs) Eva, you're watching the cats to make sure they don't jump on your leg, which Eva, you're probably the smartest one here. (laughs) I'm trying, but they're right behind me. Okay. Um, I, I don't know. Couldn't you know you exist without doubting that you exist? I mean, well, yeah, I guess doubting that you exist would be like, hey, I know that I exist because I'm thinking about it, but... That's essentially what he came up with. Yeah, but I... <laughs> Sounds... <laughs> which is which is great because you just came up with that in like way less pages. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, but like, couldn't you? Like, well, I guess you wouldn't necessarily like know that you existed, but I knew that I existed before thinking, before doubting that I existed. Like, I'm here. Like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Right. And so Rene Descartes was said, well, like, how do I know there's not like an evil spirit? that is tricking me in a dream. Well, you'd still be there. So, okay, fair enough, right? Like, that's kind of the thing, (laughs) is you'd say, like, the fact that I'm even aware of... The evil demon tricking me. The fact that I can come up with an idea that an evil (laughs) demon is tricking me. There's there's at least reason to wonder, or there's at least reason to suspect that that I exist without having to go the full distance and say, there's no way I exist. Interesting question though. So we have a little baby coming, right? We, mm-hmm. right. Uh, our first little baby brother, first son coming along. But we think about Ella and Anna, the ones who are hopefully asleep <laughs> right now. So your mom can be sleeping. Um, like, did they know that they exist first? Like, were they aware are they aware of their own existence first or are they aware of another's existence first? I mean, that to me seems like an interesting point to actually say, cause like a lot of these guys that we've read about or talked about like Rousseau and Hobbes, um, and mm-hmm. you guys are going to read about them later, but they imagined a state of nature where there was an individual person that sort of like existed pre anything else. Like it was their original state and they were in some ways like fully formed, but pre <laughs> pre civilized, let's say, people. Well, there's a there's kind of a commonsensical part of it that says well, like that doesn't like that doesn't that doesn't make any sense. Like, how could you have a person that exists by themselves? Right. Did they believe yeah. in God? Did they have a belly button? <laughs> okay. That's the real question. <laughs> But they were actually asking some really serious questions. And I know that we've just covered some super crazy ground based on <laughs> based on talking about is your brain culture and Egyptian beans, but and cat stories. But this the this is kind of interesting to think. So they all of these guys that we've talked about were actually trying to answer in a pretty were trying to answer a pretty serious question. And they weren't just they weren't just like coming up with stuff to be clever. I don't think, I mean, I think we have to assume goodwill. Like they were actually trying to answer a real question. I mean, like Hobbes and Rousseau, they were actually trying, like they were looking at their societies around them and saying like, there's so much war. How can we help people get along? Mm -hmm. Right? Like, Mm -hmm. can we find a foundation for people to get along? And it doesn't seem like religion seems to be the thing. Like that's what they thought. Right. Because there's all these wars happening. Rene Descartes, same thing. Like there's all these stuff happening. People can't get along. So can we find some common ground that everybody can accept that isn't based on, that isn't based on religion, that isn't based on something else? Can, can we find some common ground so that, so that there'll be peace? Hmm. Um, why did, if they're trying to find common, common ground why'd they base it off an individual <laughs> like that's kind of ridiculous well i mean like that's a fair question i mean that's a fair question i mean especially if common we assume i mean common means two that's interesting at least thought. two 
Well, maybe it's it's because, um, like going back to what you said about, um, like Anna and Ella, the the little ones, if they like are aware of themselves or aware of others first, um, it it seems like people, while they can't really learn without like people and others like surrounding them they're more aware of their themselves and like their own needs first um until they can learn like to think about other people like sharing ella's just learning that yeah she, um, is. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't know that at all <laughs> she's of. working on it she's um, totally working on it let's just say it's a work in progress it is yeah so i think if starting maybe that was one of the places that they thought would be best to start because um just even as children until we learn to grow in the virtue of you know thinking about others and not just ourselves um and our own comforts like you're really just aware of yourself your own needs Mm, that's interesting so if we're only thinking about ourselves, then we do end up creating kind of a world that is, I mean, in some ways, like self-referential. So what, um, we're only thinking about what will help us to protect our needs and then what will help us to secure our needs, which means we might have to like give up some of our freedom so that other people can have what they want, but we ultimately mm-hmm. need to protect ourselves. But that's an interesting thought. Now I want to hold that at the same time with what Ada said about um, in order for something to be common, there needs to be at least two. Can you say more about that? I'm kind of curious what you're thinking about that. Well, it's not like you're not saying like alone or by themselves. You're saying common, which for something to be in common, it needs to be shared or um, with another person. So I don't know. We can, we're doing this podcast together in common. We're, mm. we're, we're all common, um, we're all listening to this podcast. Um, I don't know, that doesn't make sense. In common? No, <laughs> I, well, no, no. I, I think sometimes we shy away from things that are serious. That, to me, seems serious, like to think about. And a lot of times when we're doing philosophy um, or we're trying to think in sort of philosophical terms, we we end up talking about the most common things, the most things, the things that are shared among everyone that are just accepted Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. nobody asks questions about. Like you, Mm. you don't ever question like, do I exist? Because that's like, and those are the hardest things to talk about. They're so hard. Like for instance, that dumb question, (laughs) can you please define a chair? And you're like, yeah, it's something you sit on. And you're like, (laughs) okay, I I can sit on a rock. Yeah, and you're like, well, is a rock a chair? Well, no, it's a rock. Well, how do you know it's... I thought it's a chair. Because you can sit on a chair. Well, okay, well, no. You can sit on a bench. That's, like, not a chair, but it is. Right. It functions as something you can sit on, but it's not a chair. But then what is it? Well, it has to have four legs. It's... What about one of those milking stools that have three legs or, two, or one leg so that you don't fall asleep? Mm. Wait, what? There's a milking stool with one leg? Well, I don't think it's That's a milking so stool, dumb. but there is a chair oh. that has one leg on it. No, there. Okay, That's so. Horrible. Or something. A stool. I have worn one of these when I lived in Norway. Uh, they had this wonderful. It was not wonderful. Let's just be honest. <laughs> It was a stool of sorts that you could strap to yourself. It uh, had strap? kind of a well, yeah, yeah, because 
because it wore it in a belt. <laughs> because yes, it was kind of like a belt. It had these like belts or straps. It would go around your thighs mm-hmm. and then around your waist, and it had this little cushion thing on your bum and it and it did have one peg that went down to the ground and why was that the case why was it attached to your body so that you could get up you, you could stand up and it would you were like a little yellow jacket that had a stinger Wait, so when you walked around you had like a big a big piece of wood you had like, a stinger attached to you and you could literally stand though? up because you that had to connect so the milking machine to each cow Oh, and they and in their milking parlor, they didn't have an elevated cow. uh, I can't remember what it's called. The cow run. So like in like modern milking, we're talking about a lot of crazy things. So (laughs) in a modern milking, uh, in a modern milk parlor, the cows come in elevated up above the people who are connecting the the milking machines they're not called milking machines and i've forgotten what they're called so please forgive know me this. i should know this because this is stuff you shouldn't forget yeah. but in this in this milking parlor the cows came in on the same level as you so which meant that in order for you to hook up the milking machine you had to go from each cow and kind of like stoop over and clean off the teats clean them off Put the stuff on them and then connect the milking machines to them. So, which required about 10 or 15 seconds, 20 seconds, which meant that if you didn't sit down, you were bent over that whole time, which was really bad on your back. So, this little milking stool made it really easy, which was also a holdover from the old style where you were just literally milking by hand, which meant that you'd go up near a cow. And I don't know how long it took to milk a cow, but you would just. How tall was this? Was this stinger? Um, I'm gonna say like 18 inches, maybe 18 to 20 inches. Wait, and why didn't they? Did have... you wear it? I wore it a couple times. Was it like wait, a two why by did... four, or was it like thinner? Or we should thicker? make one of these. Let's say. Fun. I'm I'm gonna say that it was like a chair leg. I mean, it was kind of like a pirate leg. <laughs> so like it was... but a little thinner, a spindle. Oh. oh. <laughs> why didn't you? Why didn't they just have a stool in front of each cow? Yeah. That makes more sense. Because then you have to. That's a lot of. You have to have like fifty I'm, stools. I know the cows move, but I'm, like, move. Or is that supposed to be punny? <laughs> no. Yes. yes so let me just say, I need to ask you guys to forgive me as a father that I have not introduced you to like, what happens in a dairy, because I feel like I've failed a little bit now because, cows. They move. No, they do move and they do move, but cows poop. Oh. And they poop, they poop oh. and they move. You don't necessarily want to be behind a cow when it lets its thing go. And so there's no reason to leave anything behind a cow or near a cow. You just want to be there to get the milk and you want them to send them on their way. Now, here we go. We were talking about something before we got into the cow thing. What were we talking about? Uh, oh, um, common commonness. Stuff? We were talking about common... Commonness. We were talking about being. We were talking about commonness too. How do we get to cows? I don't know. <laughs> because following a rabbit trail is important. Um, yes. But so you were saying that, um, like this sort of like natural state of a person, like we question, like in philosophy, we question things that are sort of common, like things that are shared between everyone. But I think one of the interesting questions is, so. 
if someone does question something that's common, right, they're, they're immediately raising a question that everybody just assumes is true, right? Because, like, if you say, do we all exist, everybody would be like, well, duh. That's dumb. Yeah. Like, yes. But then they're like, no. How do you know? <laughs> and then you're like, I exist, but you don't. Because I... And then it becomes really difficult, kind of like the chair. That's that's actually where we got to the cow thing. Oh, yeah. Because of the chair. How do you define a chair? Like those sort of simple questions become really difficult. And it's not it's not evidence that we don't know. It's evidence that we haven't tried to articulate it. Okay. So. Didn't really attack you, but it wanted to. It wanted to jump on you. So, I guess where we got in all of this, <laughs> right, which I don't think is a bad place to get, is that when we think about, and Ada, I think you said it, like, common means, means like, you, you can't be by yourself if it's common, right? Like, if something's right. common, it means it's shared between, it's shared, it's shared between more than one person. Um, and so... I think it's okay for us to end here and us to say that we're going to have more conversations like this where we'll talk about things we're reading and mm -hmm. beans, cows, and beans, cows, <laughs> stingers, one-legged stool stingers, <laughs> savage cats, savage cats, savage cats, very that savage are very cats. mean and have been attacking us and being noisy in the background and misplaced charity from our neighbors. Oh, yes. <laughs> May the Lord bless them and keep them. Yes. All right. Thank you, ladies. Well, thanks for listening. We're glad you joined us. I hope we come back if the cats don't get us. Have a great day.